Welcome back, everyone. Um, we are having another session here, and this time I have one of my really good friends, Ian, from my Disney days, right? Isn't it crazy? We, we, we didn't, didn't meet at Disney, but we had a mutual Disney friend. We met through Disney Connections, for sure. We did. Um, so, yeah, so we've been friends for a while, and um, I'm so glad to have you on the show. So thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Finally. I mean, I've been dying to get on the show okay. for years. Well, the, it hasn't been around for years, but... It feels like years. Okay. Well, that's lovely. So it's really funny you mentioned that because you're such a comedian. Um, we were talking about some of the major comedic acts that are happening kind of right now in the world. And obviously, you know, one of my favorites. Matt Reif. Yes. I mean... Obviously. Uh, just amazing. But he's actually really funny. And I really like him. But it was so upsetting that I could not get tickets to his show. And I was just so pissed because it was like sold out. But also I thought like, is it because it small venue or i don't know but ideally i was mad to get to see him um but then you know i was also talking about mateo lane who's like one of my other favorite comics that um my friend saw him and um, i think it was either rawling or charlotte north carolina he got to see him and um obviously i saw andrew santino the redhead the cheeto he calls himself the cheeto oh. and i saw him in dc with um with shauna um a while back, and he was just really, really funny. I loved him because he just he takes the jokes there, you know. Um, and then we were also talking about how I love a lot of my female comics because I just I hate them. We have this narrative like all oh, female comics are very one dimensional. It's something, you know, dumb. But like these girls, I thought were just amazing. And um, uh, Isla Eliza Schlesinger. Eliza Schlesinger. I always mess her name up every time. She is so funny, and I love her. I watch her Netflix special. She's really good. And then um, Catherine, Catherine Ryan, she was really good, too. I think she had a Netflix special, but I saw her somewhere else. Maybe it was on YouTube or mm -hmm. a show. She was really good. And, of course, my girl, McCole Byer, um, she is amazing. Um, I don't know any of those two others. I know really? You haven't heard them? Okay. Never heard them. I'm more, I like Taylor Tomlinson. Nikki Glazer. Nikki Glazer's great. Um, yeah, I love her. Yeah, and there's some other um, May Planner I like. Mark mm. Norman's wife, actually. Really? Yeah. And then your cousin, he is a stand-up comic, right? Yeah, my cousin has a show um, at Chelsea Music Hall on yeah. Tuesdays, the second of every month. Okay. And he usually has people like David Cross on. Um, he okay. has uh, David Krumholtz, who was actually in the new Oppenheimer movie. You did mention that. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. And, um, mm. So he's got some good people. Um and it's good that he's, you know, working working pretty hard after the writer strike that's going on right now. Oh, so messed up because he was with um, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Yep. Yeah. So man, that's messed up. But that's still good. He's gonna still get out there and do stuff and you know make it happen. So I'm yeah, really we got to go again for sure. Yeah, it was a good show. I really enjoyed it. You know, the best thing about New York City, maybe it's everywhere, but at least I think in New York City, when it comes to comedy, you can always find a venue that's just so great to go to. Like we just went to one. We did. Recently. We, did. we went to um, Gotham, Gotham Comedy Club, right? Gotham Comedy Club. Yeah. It was, uh, we saw Michael Feeney, Ian Lara. Yeah. Um, Ian Lara was the uh, headliner. Okay. Um, and we saw a few others. I forgot their names, but uh, it was it was it was pretty well done. And it was really busy too. Like it's so great that people are getting back out here. Just you know, obviously after everything we went through with COVID and you know life and Trump. <laughs> but um you know people are just like it's time to like get back out there and have some comedy in your life and i think it's so great to kind of have that balance because just you don't want to be depressed and just blah all the time and i'm glad at least in new york city people are getting out again which is really good to see that absolutely and, yeah. um i remember michael chi 
did a, a lot of outside live shows mm. during oh, the yeah, pandemic. I remember that, yeah. In Long Island City. A lot of a lot of these comedians did that. They had to in the park. Yeah. And honestly, they should do it more often, even though there's no pandemic. You know, that's so true because we have so many events in the, you know, New York City has so many things going on. And I love the fact that even we have like, you know, movies in a park, which we'll get into some of that. But yeah, I mean, you have such just sitting in your backyard. Why not take advantage of that? I think that's so cool. Maybe it's like permits. I don't know. Could be permits. Could be permits. Could be mosquitoes. Yeah, we have invasive bugs in our city now. I have no idea what they're. What are they called now? Those um, um, like something lantern flies. Yeah, yeah, they're like all over. Yeah, they're killing everybody, right? Okay, they're not killing people. Yeah, they're they're gonna kill us all. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, (laughs) um, are there any comics you're looking forward to? Maybe trying to see a show and maybe get out there and see the rest of the summer while you're on. You know what? I don't know who's available this summer, but I think Mark Norman's always playing in Manhattan. Um, okay. I'd love to see him. Um, yeah. There's a new comedian that I've really gotten into called Troy. His name's Troy Bond. Oh. Do you know Troy Bond? No, no. No, lightning. Um, he's just he's just very literal and just, you know, he screams and, you know, he's, just, he's got good <laughs> mannerisms and cracks me up. I really can't explain it better than that. Sorry, podcast. Uh, but definitely tune into that. Um, Ronnie Chang, I'd love to see live. I I've heard him. He's really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I just want to go to more comedy shows this year. Just check out every venue in Manhattan. That's good. And, um, and see who we run into. You never know. There's a lot of special guests that come on. That is true. I remember one time we went to the show and they had, um, some of, some of the people from the cast of Saturday Night Live, you know, at the time I was like crazy to think that any small little venues, like we went down to McDougal street, which is like a neighborhood. Right. That's the place. That's the place to go. Yeah. And I was just shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, seeing SNL. It's like so cool to see that. But um, I'm with you. I mean, now my theory is, you know, as a best friend, I think you should get out there and do it. Are you ever going to get the courage to go up there and just. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I want the right formula of drinks, and I think I found it. I think three whiskey <laughs> shots, maybe a pickleback. That'll get you up there yeah, and just, it'll, it'll you get your stand it. up yeah. together and do it. Yeah, I'm very observational comedy. Like, I will, like, it's, it's all yeah. like Seinfeld. I'm obviously, it's. Not nearly as funny as Seinfeld is, but um, I, I like looking and observing and making fun of people. And you know, I will say you do have some funny, you know, jokes sometimes. You, sometimes. you kind of come through, and it's kind of like hilarious. I can always count on you for a good laugh sometimes. Thank you. Wow. The key word is sometimes. Sometimes. Well, that's that's the best odds I've had all year. <laughs> this is the best you've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever incorporate that into your days? Like, would you think your days are like, oh, this guy must be a comic or something? Myself? You're yeah. Asking? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to be a comedian at work. You know, I work from home. I'm, I'm, I'm alone all day. You're the one on the Zoom calls just making all the jokes all the time. Pretty much, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I mean, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm a recruiter, so uh, I, I try to make my candidates laugh and feel yeah. comfortable. Um, yeah. That's important, too. I mean, because it could be a nerve-wracking experience, like, Especially in this day and age, I mean, people, oh God. people no. don't want to speak to a robot. No. Well, they already think that your resume is never seen by anybody in the first place, but when he asks you to call, it's like a real human. It's a real human. You're not an Android, you're not like a digital replacement AI. That's... Yeah. I am not Alan Iverson. <laughs> you're, um... not, you're not the person coming <laughs> in and being like, oh, this case may be. Um, scary. Do you usually watch a lot of comedies on Netflix? Like, do you ever spend time like, okay, I, I saw a new comedy special out, I watch it. You just prefer to watch it like in person versus watching on Netflix. You know what? I, I think I think seeing it in person is always really fun, but it's never never bad to watch on Netflix and just no. sit down and um, you know see it for free. Um, well, Netflix isn't free. 
it's not free. In fact, the other day, <laughs> well, like, not, the, other day <laughs> the other day they found out that, you know, I wasn't living with my parents anymore. Uh-oh. Um, and, you got, you got uh, blocked on them. Yeah, so I had to say I was traveling. Um, but we will talk about that next podcast. <laughs> uh, cracking down, the cracking down. Yeah, but I did see Mark Norman's new special. Oh, um, how was it? Very funny. He's just, you know, he's very observational. Yeah. Um, very literal. I mean, I think the best com- comedians never hold back. That's very true. And, you know, we, you know, me and you have talked about this where like comics should be free to be able to say what they want to say without so much of a, I understand the wokeness. I understand like we're progressing, but it's also like, it is comedy. We can't take it so literally. And like, you know, I don't think any comic is intentionally trying to really be, you know, like, oh, malicious. And, you know, like malicious are like F some community or a person. It's like, it's a way to get around it. And, you know, me and you both talk about this. Half the time, comics say things that you don't want to say yourself because you just are like, okay, I can't be caught saying that. But if I hear it, it's okay. It's almost like a double standard in a way. It's like, you'll listen to it, but internally, you probably want to say some shit like that. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think the best comedians are the ones that can make fun of themselves. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. I was telling you about Pete Davidson's show. Um, you know, he has a show called Bumpkins uh, on Peacock. Shout out Bumpkins if you have a chance to check it out. And he just makes fun of himself. Yeah. Like he's like, you know, he knows what's out there about him. He knows what happens. And I think that was the beauty of the show. It was like, he's just him taking things that happen in his life and just playing on it. Yep. I'll talk have an amazing cast on top of that. I mean, it's just like Edie Falco. Like it's just everyone's in there and it's just so funny. I try to get you to watch it, but it's a really good, like, it's a good laugh. So that 30 minutes or so, which I think is you kind of need that. You don't need a whole like hour series. I love Pete Davidson. Love King Staten Island. Oh, um, yeah, people gave a shit, but I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was well done. I mean, yeah. he, you know, when you make fun of yourself, nobody can touch you. No, no, nobody. and I think that makes you more authentic, and that makes someone more relatable to you. So, hundred percent. I love Pete Davidson. Yeah. I mean, I, I still do. Remember, we saw the really ugly comedian the other night, and and he was like, you know, <laughs> I go on a lot of dates, but I know the girls don't really want to date me, and I was like. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, that's yeah. great. Well, moving along. Moving along. Um, you know, other thing, another thing that me and you have in common is that we love film. Love, love everything about that. Now, give me a quick background. Like, how did your interest start in just loving film and TV and just yeah. anything along those lines? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just, you know, looking at a movie, it's all about feeling something. Yes. It's all about feeling you're, you know, you're kind of like a part of it. Um, you know, you can relate to a certain event in your life. There's a lot of different ways. Um, you know, obviously I'm Jewish. I, when I saw Schindler's list, you know, I was very moved by it. I love Spielberg. Um, obviously, you know, you and I are big Nolan fans. Um, we are. when we, you know, I feel like every Nolan movie is just like a steak dinner. You get everything and more. Very true. Um, very true. And you know, he just, the cherry on top is just the incredible score. That is on every single film that he has, whether it's Hans Zimmer, Lowen mm-hmm. Van Gorensen. Right. Uh, he's he's just every time he's able, he he creates such a uh, like a like a cake well, with layers yeah, and layers. Yeah. Except for that last one, Tenet, I have to. I yeah, have to have some with that. I might have to throw that one in the garbage. I mean, listen, you can't be great at everything, so it's okay to have like one or two duds. I mean, Steven Spielberg had the same problem, so. It was a pandemic movie. I mean, it was, you know what? And, and, and no one only likes his movies in the movie theater. And the tenant oh, was not in the movie theater. I can't even still see Oppenheimer. You saw it. You saw it twice already. Um, yeah, 
I want to say three times. And I can't even see it once in 70 millimeter IMAX because we only have, I think only one theater. It might be a second one, but I think it's only one theater, at least in Manhattan, that has it. And it's been sold out for the past almost month now since the movie's been out. Trying to, yeah, trying to overtake like, Barbie. Part of me wants to be like, you know what? I'm going to take a long lunch break and just go sit in the middle of the Three-hour lunch? Three-hour nice. lunch and just come back and be like, yeah, that's all nightmare. You they know, go, they're like, "Heck, where are we?" I'm I mean, well, I, mean know, I was eating whatever lunch. Oh, yeah, popcorn. But you, you, you highlight something. You talked about the score. Is that something that's really important to you? Like, you yes. Know, for, and then, what is it about the score that really connects you to a film? It just, it just amazes me when a score can depict the action that's happening in the film, and mm. it's and it just matches perfectly. Yeah, it's like it's like peanut butter and jelly. Mm. It's just the perfect combination, and when they get it right, yeah, it's everything. And it and it makes you. And also, scores help you reminisce the film better when you That's hear it. True. You know, you hear the Jurassic Park theme, you hear the Star Wars theme, yeah. you hear the Harry Potter theme. You all you automatically think of nostalgia, your childhood. It's so true. I didn't think about that. It's it's it, you're so right because even when you think of shows now, and I think of most of Star Wars, that's probably the biggest one because mm-hmm. it's like. You know, it's going to think of something about the movie, the show, the anthology, whatever the case is, you're going to connect it one way or another. Absolutely. So that's really cool. Also makes a really good running playlist because you feel like you're Batman for a bit. Oh, the Batman one. <laughs> the Dark Knight. It's too good. Too good. I always get like still to the point where I hear it and I'm just like, the scene, I think about the scene um, when he, when the Joker is with uh, Rachel. Yeah. And she right. the music's going, and she's like, "I'll tell you, I got these scars on my face." And it's just like something about it. It's like, "Oh my god, the build up to it!" Yeah. Like, it's like, even mm-hmm. I hear the song, I think about that, and I'm just like, "Like that?" Yeah, right. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that was such a great movie, though. It was Dark Knight. It was, I mean, fabulous. And I think actually, Dak, that the Dark Knight Rises would have been Joker themed if Heath Ledger still was alive. I think that was Nolan's oh, plan. Oh, I, I probably agree with you on that yeah. 100%. It's probably gone down. I had this debate with my friends. It's probably gone down as one of the best. Um, no, I'm being biased, but probably one of the best superhero films. Outside of what I still think Avengers Endgame is great, but I'm biased as a Marvel, but I would say that was probably one of the best ones. Well, Batman's the only realistic superhero. Okay, we're not getting to that topic. That's another day. But... I mean, what other superhero is realistic? The Hulk. Yes. <laughs> Black Widow, Hawkeye. Not that, I mean, right, well, they're spies. Look, just find they're a rich guy. Problems. Rich guy gets a lot of really Okay, good Iron equipment. Man. Yeah, but he's flying, and, and, and he's got like this thing in his heart, and it's like... <sighs> okay, we'll say that again all the time. But um, it was a great movie. I think for me to, um, at least when I think of a good movie in my eyes, there's probably two things. I think it really comes down to story, and I think because I'm a writer, I think about your characters and think about the story where it goes. Um, I hate a story that doesn't have a complete ending or a really good arc to it. Um, and I think if your characters aren't developed, it really tees me off. I'll give you a prime example, which we'll talk about later in our list of movies. Um, Gone with the Wind, hands down, probably one of the best films ever. Maybe not a lot of generations seen it, but at some point someone's always seen it and it's been known as a cinema classic. The main character in it, Scarlet, she is literally so you know you watch a movie, a character, a guy that comes in a certain way, they have some kind of journey. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take Star Wars for example. You have Luke, 
Mm -hmm. Luke is here, not knowing what's going on. Obi-Wan comes along as kind of this, you know, anti-hero kind of guide. He loses his, you know, spoiler alert, if you have not watched Star Wars and you got issues, but, you know, he loses his aunt and uncle and now he has to go on this quest mm -hmm. and he's on this whole journey that he was expecting. And by the end of this journey, he ends up blowing up a Death Star, becoming like a rebel, like hero. And it's like, he had this whole development. Like he's just a, a kid from 10, 10 to me. And he almost got away with incest with his with his sister. Okay, okay, fine, yes. But ideally, you see how the character changed through that just that one film. Absolutely. And and Scarlet the Wind, Scarlet is the same character from the beginning of the movie to the end. I still need to watch that movie, so I'm... I, I will, we'll we'll have a sit down and watch it. But ideally, she literally is the same character to the end. Now the rest of the movie was great. It was just long, but it was great. But she has not changed. She goes from the beginning to the end, the same character. And people always like say it's such a great film. Like, yeah, but not for character development because that did not happen. Right. You know, and I think you need to learn to have character development in your stories. And I think as long as you do that, and even with Christopher Nolan, like his movies, characters go through a lot, even Interception. I still to this day don't know if it's up spinning. Yeah. You almost, I think you almost said Interception. I almost thought, because I thought of Interstellar and I thought of Interception. That would be an interesting. Uh, Can you imagine putting those together at the same time? I mean, like, it's. It, Time is still the... You know. That is very true. Yeah. I mean, that's one of his things that he likes to tour right. a lot. But yeah, I still think this... I don't know if it stops spinning. Imagine Leo DiCaprio in space. Ugh. Interception. Oh, God, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> He'd be like... Be like, there's no, there's no one here who's over... <laughs> who's, who's under 25. You're like, well, I don't know. Um, and I think it goes back to... And I also think nostalgia plays a part. But I love a story that just really is... Either is somewhat based on a true story, but also, you know, we talked about the Fablemans. The Fablemans. Um, yeah. Which is technically just about, you know, the Steven Spielberg's life. And something that's based off of that in context just makes it so much cooler to relate to. And it makes you feel you're connecting to either the person who's writing it or creating it. One of the movies my friends, some of my friends did not like, but I love, but only because I come from a family of divorce, is Marriage Story. And that was by Greta Girl and her, and her partner. Um, and it was just, it was because that's what a divorce fa like family goes through, right? You know, and I think when you have a movie you can connect to on some level, fantasy or case may be, and, you know, I think it makes it great. I mean, Black Panther was a comic book character, but, you know, Chadwick meant so much more than that. And that character meant so much more than just a comic book character. Yeah. It, it, it was a movement. It was a more of empowerment. It was seeing Black characters, like, that you could not see before because most you know, Marvel characters are white, you know, yeah. but it, it created such a movement where it's like, you have to represent this, you have to show this. Yeah. And that showing that representation in movies is great. I mean, even Barbie, even though it was, you know, it had its moments and yeah, it was a little woke where the case is, it showed representation and it talked about feminism in a way that was like, damn, okay, this is what women go through every day. This is how this happens. Yeah. And of course, you're going to question things and you have to feel like you don't get to speak up, you know. Um, I thought it was really crazy people were getting dumped because of the movie. I was reading articles that people, like, people with, like, relationships went to the movie and, like, came out and were not together. Maybe they realized that these men were misogynistic. But I'm also, no like, if, you, if it took a movie for you to tell you that, there might have been problems before that. I mean, maybe. I would think. The only thing I can think about is, like, wow. Margot Robbie, what a gorgeous woman. 
which I don't feel bad for. Remember the one, those one scene in the movie, they were just like, you can't feel bad for her. Like, it's Margot Robbie, come on. Also, she's always Harley Quinn in my eyes because no one else could play Harley Quinn, but she did a really good job playing Harley Quinn. Though some of those movies were still stupid, but. I was thinking first of Duchess of Brooklyn and Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, that was another good film too. Yeah. That was like her big break, I think. I think it was. She had other small, but yeah, I think that might've been the month for her. She was like early 20s then. Yeah. Yeah, that was 2014. I'm 14. happy for her. I'm happy for her. Oh, yeah. yeah she's doing great. Um, but yeah, in my eyes, I think those are, things are great movies. But I think also it just comes out of movie. I always think of a movie you can watch over and over again. Like, is there a movie that you can think of off the top of your head that you could probably watch over and over again and, and it wouldn't even skip a beat for you? Can you think of one, maybe one or two movies you can think about? I'll be interested you just watch it all the time. You know? I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's definitely a staple in my life for sure. Yeah. Um, probably the Harry Potters and all of them. You love Harry Potter. I do. I do. I'm a what's sucker. your favorite one though? My favorite movie or my favorite book? Oh, it's a difference. Okay. It's different. okay I'm going with movie. My favorite movie is probably the Goblet of Fire. Hmm, that's a good one. Um, good change of point too. Yes. For Harry. Uh, it's when things got dark. Yeah. I'm uh, taking my nephew to see a movie and then that's when Cedric died. He just was, I think he might've been six or seven at the time. Eh, he became a vampire after that. <laughs> Yeah, um, that makes it fun. Yeah. What was that before? No, it was after. I think he did it after. It was that. after. Uh, yeah. Yes. I was thinking, that movie came out in 2005. Yeah, he definitely was young. He was young. Yeah. Um, favorite book was The Deathly Hallows, the last one. Do you have issues when, or maybe you just know this, but when a book does not live up to the hype of a movie, but you know there's things that have to get changed, but you're okay with that. I you're not like a person who's like, oh, this is awful because it's not the same as a book, you know? No, I, I just think, you know, I think with Harry Potter in general, uh, there's so much detail mm -hmm. and then, you know, you, you want to see it in a certain way and you want to see certain points. Right. If they don't bring it up in the movie, you're like, ah, why did they do that? So mm -hmm. I'm curious what they're going to do in the new show. Really um, whenever that. that comes out. I really out. hate that they're doing that. I just think it was fine as it is. I understand it's a money and marketing thing, but like, it's just, I think some things you just don't need to touch. And you just leave it be. Yeah, like Space Jam. <laughs> you were going hard on that movie. <laughs> I mean, the original Space Jam was the best. It was good. I, don't, I didn't see the second one, but I, I heard. I mean, I know. Remember the first one it was really good. So, if you're telling me the second one was bad, maybe I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I mean, I can probably recommend a few more movies before you watch that one. Okay, we'll we'll go down that road. Um, I think for me, my my two favorite films. One is a classic. It's uh. All About Eve. Oh, I've never seen it. <laughs> it's really good. Betty Davis. And it's just a movie that just always, I always love a good black and white movie. I'm just an old man like that. But like that one is always one I would always go to and just think about all the time. Interesting. Um, and then my other one, when I take my long flights to, you know, cross the pond, um, is usually The Greatest Showman's in Jurassic World. That's usually your go-to. That's usually my two go-to movies I would watch on long flights or long haul. Now, if I'm home, I might watch Greatest Showman's Mirror Time from time, but only because I love Hugh Jackman. But um, I don't think I ever watched Jurassic World when I was home. But on a flight, and most of my flights are very long because I'm, you know, I was in from California, so I'm like I've been spending like five hours on flights all my life. So it's usually those two movies I go to. That's interesting. I, I, yeah. I mean, I guess you know, you feel like you're. You know, flying to Jurassic Park. I don't know Scott. <laughs> I didn't know Jurassic Park was in Scotland, but uh, that's that's the connection I'm but, making. But, uh, it makes sense. I mean, 
that's that's crazy. Well, I just think Jurassic World and Jurassic Park, two of my actually watch. I think at least why I connect more with Jurassic World is because it's almost like a a, a homage to the original movie. So it obviously comes out later and they restart the park. So it's almost like this whole generation that comes in. That's a good point. They did a good job with that one. The yeah. other two are trash. The other two, I was like, oh, well, Jeff Goldblum was in two of them. So I'm happy. Your guy, I know. Um, but yeah, but it was a, it was kind of reawakening. Talk about that nostalgia we talked about. I was like, okay, it's the elements from what the original movie. So it was like something you can always pull back to and like blend both series in a way. Um, the greatest showman, so I just think it's great because it's just about just being a showman. So. Jackman's just amazing, and the music's just great too. Is that guy front too, right? Zach Efron's in it too, yeah. Zendaya, yeah. Zendaya, damn, she's mm-hmm. she's she's sneaky. She's, I mean, listen, she is on the come up, she is one of my favorite actresses, and her and Timothy Chalamet, because I don't think that boy can do it wrong, but that's because I have a huge crush on him. But also, he is just an amazing actor, I in my eyes, big time. I like his sister, Pauline, she's really funny. I watched her show, um. Secret, Secret sex. Lives of Sex Girls? What's it? Very close. Uh, um, sex Life of College Girls. Thank you. Yeah. She so Mindy Callum. She was really funny. I actually loved her. She's adorable. Yeah. But you know, my new one is The Batman. Because it's three and a half hours. So I can knock out three and a half hours on the flight. I think that's the standard now. If you want to like make a big impact movie, it's got to be three hours. Isn't that crazy? I look back at movies in the back of the day and it's like they were only like an hour, 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, unless it's like big epic, but like even maybe two hours and twenty. But like now, it's it's the, crazy. The only person who can pull that off now is Wes Anderson. <sighs> He's amazing, but it just seems to be the same thing every thing every time. But hey, you got a niche, you know how to go for it. Make it happen, my friend. Make it happen. Um, real quick, we're gonna go over the AFI's greatest American films, um, and I don't think you've seen most of these, but the top five would be. Uh, number five being Lawrence of Arabia, um, Gone with the Wind is number four. Mm-hmm. The Godfather is number three. three. Casablanca is number two, and Citizen Kane is number one. And this is all time. These are all times. The greatest American American films, because I know there's other films in the world, but this will change in ten years as people. But this, but this has not though. This is mainly now they have updated after the tenth spot to some films, but. After about this list came out in early, early maybe two thousands, it has not changed. Right, but I think that it'll change. You think so? Very soon, yeah. Because as yeah. people pass away that have watched that, I think it'll. I think it'll change. <laughs> <laughs> as the older boomers are gone, yeah, <laughs> so, as, exactly. As the World War Two veterans, you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, all right, our next topic is going to be about. You know, you're really good about this with me, but I'm a little biased because, you know, we're on my podcast. Um, sports. You were so good about, like, I mean, you and Ryan are pretty good about it. Most of my guy friends are. But, like, you're so good about knowing your sports and knowing about it. But also, my question is, how can a gay guy relate to sports when they have no either interest or understanding of it? But still feel part of the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's it really depends. I think that just going to a game in general is, is very fun, you know, with the, the libations and yeah. just everything that goes on. But it, you know, it, that's a tough question because it just depends on what is important to you. What, what do you like? Mm. I mean, it's some, there are plenty of 
you know, gay men out there who play professional sports. That's true. And we um, have been seeing a lot of that, which is really awesome to see that representation. Absolutely. Great. Uh, Carl Nassib, linebacker, I think he's on the, might be on the Raiders. Raiders, yeah. Um, he might have, might not be on the team. He might be on the, I think he's on the Raiders or the Buccaneers now. Oh, um, And then there's a few that have come and gone. And um, I think it's going to be more of a trend as people become more accepting of it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's just important to, you know, get, get close to the sport and, and, and hang out with somebody that is really into it. If you really care about somebody who likes the sport, I think that's yeah. really what happens. That's really when you start to understand it. That's really true. And I think, you know, my problem is always like, when you guys talk like stats and you talk about like fancy football, I'm like, I don't understand any of that shit. I'm like, I'm not going to know stats. Unless it's something like, I like the Patriots, and it's not because of Tom Brady, but I just like them in general because they were a great team, and they hate the Giants, so that's why I like them. And now they're not good anymore. Okay, that's fine. Our dynasty is over. It's like, been over. Targaryen, it's over. You burn down the kingdom, and you're dead. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. May Br- rise again, but we'll not. Well, Tom Brady's in Hurts now, so. Yeah. <laughs> or Serena Carla. Did you imagine? That's all those commercials now. It's I th- insane. They did a good job. He says, let's go all the time. And they made that their <laughs> slogan. So that was brilliant. I mean, listen, get your coin. We got to get your coin. I love that. But yeah, like, I just never can get to the stats. But I think, you know, how does, I mean, I guess for you, because you grew up, like, obviously watching sports and this and that, like, it, do you feel like it just comes natural to you? Or are you just more of, like, you know you love the sport. You love watching it. You're always going to stay on top of that. And you're going to always have that great conversation piece when, like, I think I think everything starts when you grow up. All behavior starts when you grow up. You, mm-hmm. If you if your father, if your mother, or if your big brother plays sports, you're yeah. you're just gonna be that's that's all you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you know, my dad, my dad got married in 1986 when the Mets won the World Series. Wow. Might have been the best year of his life. Okay. Um, that's awesome. And he, and he married my mom that year too. Yeah. And um, you know, I was born, and you know, my dad was a baseball player, and there you go, I play baseball. Um. Nice. It's all about how you're raised. Yeah, that's that's the easiest way to explain. It. You grew up in a baseball, you know, household. Yeah. Um, and then you know when you start playing, you build confidence. Like, oh, I want to do this more. I want to be more competitive about it. Right. You know, it's the same thing with you with writing. You know, I, I it, it it's it's all about what what interests you. Yeah. Um, but you know, to answer your question, I think that if you're looking to, you know, if you're genuinely interested in something like sports, then you'll then you'll find a way. You'll find and make it a way to connect with you. Yeah, I think. I think that so I'm just not looking at the players' asses or just how hot they are. I mean, it's I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's it's a big part of your life. Um, but <laughs> no way yes, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that it, it again, it all depends on how you grow up. Yeah. Um, and people also need to be connected to a player. Like you were connected to Tom Brady at one point. Was, a lot of people yeah. were connected to Derek Jeter. Yeah. Uh, growing up in New York. Yeah. Um, that that's that's really what it's all about. And now, what are your top or your favorite sports? I think um, my favorite sport to watch is is football. Okay. Um, because I just love you know I do a little bit of sports betting. I'm not a degenerate like some of my friends out there. Uh, <laughs> just betting like the rent and everything else. Just yeah, just betting the deeds at our house. <laughs> oh. uh, betting their girlfriend. Gambling. Hey, people, gambling is an issue. So you know, it's an issue. Problem. Call one eight hundred. Let's go to our sponsor. Uh, <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Roll the credits. Um, and we're back. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I ran track in high school. Um, I played some Frisbee in college, played some baseball and basketball in high school. Um, you know, I would have to say, you know, the, my, my favorite team of all time is the Mets because that's that's my dad group got me into that when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I, and I worked in sports. 
You did. You used to work for the Yankees. Worked for the Yankees from 2015 to 2020 during the pandy. Yeah. Uh, left during the pandy. Uh, became a recruiter. And um, actually, you miss it? No, because my love for sports actually increased because, I, oh. you know, you don't want to shit where you eat. Makes sense. You know I what I mean? Respect that. Respect yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think now it's a lot easier to watch, but. Yankees and the Mets both stink this year, so God. let's uh, let's have football start. That was a bit, that was an abysmal game we saw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you were you and my my, my friend Taylor was in town, uh, and uh, we were kind of plastered. I mean, yeah, I mean, you yeah, you and him were were killing Hendricks. I had, to, I had something to get through that because I was like, once again, I love going with you guys, and I think here's the thing I love about it. it's like it's like you've mentioned. It's something to do as a group and as friends and just go out there right. and like enjoy the scenario. And I think nothing is more, uh, I hate to say it's more American than baseball, but I think it's just something about, like, I can never watch them. I've watched on TV sometimes, but like, it's something about actually being there and just being in the moment. It's how I yeah. feel about hockey too. Like, I can't really, I could kind of watch hockey on TV, but like, I love to actually be there and just yeah. watch it. Yeah. You know, it's an energy, like you say, it's an energy of being there. And I may not understand all of it, but I will say that people have been so much nicer about like, if you don't know something or whatever the case is, like maybe post COVID or whatever the case is, like people are just like more engaging. But once yeah. again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier about people just want to get out. And these are, these are the moments to do this and make that happen. So exactly, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, stadium is like a fortress, right? It's a it's a t- it's away from reality. That's true. Sure. Um, and that's I think that's a big part of it. And people feel you know there's a huge monopoly on the food. Obviously, the food's extremely expensive. Oh, but like for, there's something about you know, a 30, $30 million hot dog, that, you know, it's just great going to a ballpark. Um, mustard's always free though. And ketchup. <laughs> the condiments, that's not condiments are free typically, yeah, but okay. uh, I think they're in the price somewhere. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Never have a gluten-free hot dog again. It was disgusting. <laughs> Bread was like, the, it was like paper. Well, it's so crazy. Cause like, you know, with John, it's just like, he obviously grew up in Ireland and now he, you know, he lives in, uh, Glasgow and Scotland mm. and in that country you know soccer sorry football is life and it's like a way you know I guess for us in America football is our thing but for them soccer is their, is their thing yeah real football F- football. football football so it's crazy because I had to learn to teach myself to be like okay um I need to understand how he loves a sport so much but also like to be somewhat interested in it. And it's nothing against the people who play it. I understand it's a, it's a whole business. I started watching Ted Lasso, which was kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. And it made me kind of appreciate it a little more. Um, but it's just so long. Yes. It's like 90 minutes. It's 90 minutes. It's not I mean, they play it. hard. And sometimes it goes more. And but like the craziest thing when it comes to John, he knows the stats. He knows everything. He wears a jersey. Like it, it, they're the same things we do. But it's just like, I, A, can't get his attention. I, I don't even bother trying to talk to him those times. I'm like, okay you're in your zone but also it's like i don't know how i can really get into it but it's funny because his friends know i don't really care because i'm an american i just don't care about it mm-hmm. i just drink i'm not sponsoring drinking but for some reason it makes it a lot nice look you keep the place open <laughs> yeah exactly right. well there that's what they do there they go to a pub they watch the game they go crazy and then after, after the game they go to a pub and they do the same thing well you just answered your question before where you were asking about you know how do i get into something like that yeah as an american I feel like you're brought into the world with so many different things available to you. That's if you true. live in Glasgow, for example, like what else, like besides locks, like <laughs> lakes, that means, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, like you're, you're brought, like everybody likes soccer there. Yeah. Every single person. That's like, it's part of their tradition. 
it's, it's part of their Literally. livelihood. Yeah. Um, same thing with like Italy, same thing with, you know, it's just, I feel like it's more of a Europe thing, but I, I agree with you. I think it really is a Europe thing, but I think it's just great to kind of see that Karate, but I, I don't know. He doesn't push it on me, but I know like I do it for him, but also I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know if I can get into these games sometimes, but I also respect it. I know a couple of players who are really cool and awesome. And I had to watch the world cup and that was very hard. The women's world cup? I did watch that a little bit and it was interesting. And obviously I root for my girls, but I watched the World Cup when I was in Paris last year for my birthday. Mm -hmm. It was hard to watch. I mean, it was fun, but I was just like, it was more entertaining for him. I was just like, yay team. That's amazing though. I mean, you know, it's good to have somebody, it's good to have a partner with different interests. It is. Yeah. It makes it really fun. It's kind of like when I go out with you guys and you guys get into football and I find it very hilarious that you guys just, especially you and Ryan, you just like get into debates and I just sit there and I'm like, I'm salivating. I can't wait for week one. Oh God. I'm about to go through this again this year. It's okay, <laughs> fine. I'm ready. Um, well, Ian, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your, where your career is right now and kind of your aspirations. Yeah, definitely. Also, how is it like growing up Jewish in <laughs> New York city, which I feel like it's not, that hard. it's not that hard. I feel like you're fine. This and you know you run out you know to run Hollywood. So. All right. Um, anyway, I'm not wrong. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you know, there's a lot of look. We're funny. What can I tell you? We're funny people. We make fun of ourselves. You got me to curb your enthusiasm. No, I don't think I did. I think wasn't it you? Someone else probably did. Some it was my brother. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's yeah, it's hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Great Neck, Long Island, very Jewish area. I uh, went to a very Jewish school. Yeah. Uh, even it wasn't a Jewish school per se. It was just a lot of Jewish people there. Got it. Got um, it. you know, I was bar mitzvahed. Parent, both my parents are Jewish. I was very culturally Jewish growing up, but I was never uh very religious. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I feel like if you get too religious, it gets a little bit complicated. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it doesn't leave room for other things. Okay. Um, but um. Yeah, and then I've, you know, my, my entire family, we all moved to Manhattan during the pandemic. I lived in Astoria, Queens for a while. I worked for the Yankees. Now I'm a recruiter. I work for Dr. Squatch, best soap ever. Um, Shout out Dr. Squatch. And uh, I recruit for some great people and I bring them to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Philly for last year. And now I'm back in New York, tried, tried it out. Um, 32 years old and... Uh, still a baby. Still a baby. Uh, 32 is a new 31. <laughs> uh, that's what they're saying now in People no, Magazine. That's, that's what it is, okay. And, um, yeah, I have a brother and sister. Uh, they're also Jewish. Um, oh, no, no shit. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and to answer your question, being Jewish in New York is pretty easy because it's, there's a lot of us. It's a um, lot of you. However, there's really, there's in the percentage of people that are Jewish in the world, it's, it's like a, it's like a dot in the, in the sky. It's not very true. It's, no, that's actually true. But, um, you know, we, we try our best and, uh, yeah. That's good. And then I think a lot of it, you know, I, I was what I admired about you and your family is you guys are so close and very connected. And I think, you know, that's really awesome that you got to keep that. And I think, I mean, how was that growing up all you guys in the same house? Like, you guys have very eclectic personalities. Not in a bad way, but like, you guys are very. We still fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's all love. Um, I mean, definitely goes a good place, but it's just like, yeah. That's a lot of energy. In the house. A lot of energy. Um, you know, I, we had a lot of, you know, we have a big age gap. I mean, my sister and I were three years apart. My brother and I were nine years apart. Oh, big. So, 
you know, actually, I didn't even want a brother. I wanted a golden retriever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, my mom said, hey, I'm pregnant. And I cried and, oh. and she didn't become unpregnant. So I really had no choice. Um, oh. And uh, now he's 23 years old. I know. Josh is growing up. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it just, I think having good family values and, you know, genuinely caring about each other and, yeah. you know, understanding hot buttons of each you know, it's, it's very important, but it also makes a lot of room for angst. Mm. Um, and because we're so close, yeah. uh, and living in the same place. Um, but my sister's very close with my mom. They're like best friends. Yeah. Um, my brother and my dad and I are very close to my dad. I'm very close to my mom too, but, right. um, I want my parents to enjoy their life at this point. And, Cause they're at the retirement age now, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, my mom's going to be 60 actually next week. And, right. um, she's very young. Yeah. Also, your Nana, she looks very young. Too. Yeah. Is she's she 90, not 90 now? 92. 92. Yeah. Wow. She looks really good. She does look good. And yeah. she gets hit on by 70-year-old men. Stop it. Really? She does. I'm serious. I'm serious. If my Dang. grandma wanted to get a date, she wouldn't need Hinge. <laughs> That's amazing. You know? I, I love that. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, now we're all back in New York and uh, just working remotely as a recruiter. Yeah. And then how does that really affect you? How does it affect you? But, like... You know, how do you integrate, you know, this great kind of family core you have into your, you know, your dating life, your relationships, like a girl's kind of like, oh, he's a family guy. I love that. Or they're just kind of like, oh, you're too involved in your family. Like, you need to tone it down or like what the case is. Like, how does that kind of play into you and building those connections? Yeah. I mean, I think that first off, it's a green flag if if, if, some, if your partner is close with their family. Green you know, flag, okay. Yeah, Green it is. Flag. It is because you know, not too close. Not like you know, attached to the hip, close. Sure, sure. You know, like that SNL episode when they're all making out with each other. <laughs> oh god, oh, god. yes, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, the kissing fan, the makeup the kissing family. Fan, yeah. yeah, I mean that never happens. Um, but it, it, it's it, it's it's definitely something that I, I value very highly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I meet somebody who's like obsessed with their parents, like obsessed, you know, it's probably a red flag, because then they're going to be all in my business. In our business for the rest Whoa. of our lives and they're not going to stop that was very hard for you one of your past relationships yeah it was hard right it was hard they were a little bit too much in there and you know because i think in-laws or potential in-laws it's great to have that connection and, and be connected but not to the point of i guess dictating your relationship in a way and like your direction or where you to go like you have babies this time you do this this way or they're there all the time or like you should do yeah. this and that that's probably a lot too yeah it's almost like they're asking you, hey, um, are you, you know, she, my daughter, she's ovulating. You better, you better, uh, <laughs> oh, God. you better sleep with her or else. <laughs> oh, I mean, that'd be, so. that'd be interesting. That'd be a good comedy skit, but, um, wow, did you imagine that? absolutely. But I think that it's a, it is a green flag for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, it's definitely something that I, it's, it's, it's interesting, Dak, because it's almost like you, you want to marry somebody that has like similar values to your parents almost. It's true that this, the, the, what the saying was like, oh, you marry someone like your mother or your father. Yes, but that, that looks nothing like your mother, hopefully. Probably not. I mean, um, no although judgment, I've seen... No uh, judgment, but... Yeah. Trust me, I've seen, especially in the Jewish community, it's like, is that... Is my friend dating his mom? Or is that just his... <laughs> oh my God, no. And um, I'm oh, like, all right, I'm not going to ask. Yeah. And then you get to the wedding and you're like, oh, yeah, this is mom. Oh. Um, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't, I haven't found the the right uh, woman yet, but uh, yeah. I think it's really important to focus on yourself, make sure yourself, make sure you're good inside yes. and out, um, and uh, you know, eventually the right one just comes along. It's like 
John Mayer said, I'll be around when the right one comes. That's your other boy, your man crush. <laughs> I mean, he's just an excellent guitarist. We'll talk about that in you know, another podcast. Yeah, another time. Um, you know, speaking of working on yourself, you had mentioned um, your struggles with anxiety and yeah. you know, in, in a city like New York City. Only imagine what that's like. You know, how did that kind of come to you? And then how have you found what have been your remedies that kind of help you with that kind of anxiety? I mean, is it categorized as social anxiety or is it just like regular, just plain anxiety? No, social anxiety would be that you're nervous to be in with, with people. Okay. And you know very well that I'm not nervous to be with people. Yeah, no, I've seen your friend list. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love people. Like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a social butterfly, mm. uh, which makes it which actually is why I'm happy I'm remote because when I'm in the office, I can't concentrate, especially if there are good looking women around. Um, oh, but, uh, what happened to shitting where you eat? Remember that? You can always look. That's true. You Looking got, you, is, you're fair. That's you fair. Know, That's fair. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of people though. I've, I've met that they date in, at work mm. and it's like, don't you want to break from your, from your spouse? Yeah, like, do you want to talk know. about work when you get home? Like, don't you want to like escape and get a little break? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Man. I mean, I mean, not the break that you and John have, you guys are like miles, thousands of miles away from each other, but, mm. um, still give you a lot of credit for that. And you do it well, you guys yeah, do it very well. Try. Yeah. No, you do it very well. Yeah. Um, but I think that anxiety, yeah, anxiety has always been a, a big part of my life. I've had it since I was young and, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, I definitely had some, um, you know, tough anxiety when I was like, you know, elementary school, middle school, where really? it was like debilitating. Yeah. Wow. And like you couldn't like leave the house or just sometimes I couldn't, it was just, wow. I was very, you know, it, it was a big part of my life and it prevented me from doing a lot of things. But I think that, you know, the perseverance really shaped me for the, to the man I am today. That's awesome. And, you know, everybody hits rock bottom in their life at some point, sure. whether it's, yeah. I'm just happy. I'm happy it happened to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, instead of an adult, because that can change everything. Oh, absolutely. Especially in this day and age when everything's on a, on a, you know, mirror right in front of you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, dealing with anxiety, I think it's important to find something you love to okay. do, find something that makes you escape a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, for me, that's guitar playing. I've been playing guitar for since I was 14. You're pretty good at it. Um, yeah, I try it. I mean, you serenade me a couple times. I do. I do. You're the only guy i'd serenade and and my roommate mike oh i feel um, well, now i feel like special he's i live with i live with him so. he's a great guy so. great guy shout out mike um shout out mike and um you know running is important now that i'm you know back physically healthy again for my my surgery I'm, yeah I'm, I'm excited to get back out there and, and feel free nice and um and in terms of running i mean it's it's definitely uh you know, I'd love to do a marathon one day. You're really thinking about like, are you thinking like a New York marathon? Or are you thinking like, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to, like, that would be an amazing feeling for me yeah. to know because, you know, I, I used to run like maybe like very mid distance, like maybe no more than like seven miles. Oh, still, that's still uh, impressive. Yeah. I mean, there are people who destroy me. Um, but are they blind? Well, well, <laughs> when I, when I sprinted in high school and there were black guys next to me, I was like, Shaking their hand, I was like, um, "Congratulations!" Yeah, you're like before, I, before I even before I even ran, I was like, like, "All right, congratulations, yeah. um, you're gonna win," um, and that's that. Yeah, and um, it's great. So, I would love to run a marathon, but I, I I think just getting being in shape is the most important thing to me. Yeah, and I, I guess maybe that's if you said when it comes to your anxiety, but also you know finding something, but then it's also maybe it's helping you feel more good about yourself, and it's taking all that 
pressure off. Because working out gives off, you know, endorphins, endorphins, yeah. and you know, and you kick box and you do all those things and you try. And yeah. I know you want to make it more of your part of your life. And um, I think that mm. and you have a gorgeous gym downstairs. So I do. I'm not really good at going. I mean, I'm more of a swimmer. I've been swimming since I was like a kid. Yes, black people can't swim. Um, but but um, no one said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's a love and anxiety. It, I think anxiety and stress are, sometimes are almost similar in certain ways. And I think, you know, I was telling you things to gripe from my last job and just like feeling so stressed. Cause sometimes you feel stressed, you eat or you're eat stressing because yeah. you're just kind of like in this depressed mode of like working to make a living, but then you're also stressed out doing it. And so I think it, for me, it was always just stress because I literally had to like balance school a social life uh, five to six weddings a fucking year like i'm tired of my friends getting married and it's not gonna be a while for me it's gonna be a while for me <laughs> be glad and then it was just all those different things and so you know um i definitely you know understand what you're saying like having that working out and doing that and figuring it out and i think you've been doing pretty well with that you know i feel yeah i'm yeah. happy about it it's one day at a time don't take your don't take yourself too seriously no um you know everybody Everybody has shit going on. Some people hide it better than others. Some people post on Instagram and Facebook a million times a day oh because God. they because they need attention. Some people, you know, don't talk at all. It, everybody handles it differently. I had a friend once who did that, and I'm not gonna say his name, but <laughs> I, I I understand we have social media for expressions. I do get that. Mm -hmm. I respect that. I, that's what it's for, you know, or connecting with friends. I just connect with my friends and keep in contact. I swear to God, he would post the most stupidest shit sometimes. And I'd just be like, are you doing this for attention? Or are you doing this because, like, you're bored? It's probably attention. Like, why would you post a quote about, like, life not being good, but then it's good again? Right. <laughs> or you're like, oh, my God, I'm surrounded by all these hot boys. And I'm like, but you're still single. It's an attention thing. It's like, <laughs> it's you know, like, but okay, what is that doing for you? You know? know? A, a like a like on Facebook is like an adrenaline rush. For some it really people. is. Like I have another friend. Like they're always like, if you don't like their posts or like they think something's wrong, it's like it's not. I don't not like your posts. Like I don't. I don't. I never like ever really understood that. And that's one of the things I've been trying to teach myself about social media. I'm like I never really cared about that shit. But then it's it, it is nice when you post something cool. I like art. Like art or nature, I think is so cool. I respect that a lot more. I'm not gonna lie though. But now I just if there's someone hot on there. Like whatever, but I think mostly those are my top ones: art, travel, um, and it's like something happening in life, like a baby or you bought a house or something good for you. So like that's good things. Not you just posting being half naked and doing something stupid and being like, oh, that please might, look at me. That might be the more more of the gay community. Uh, it really is. I mean, there are definitely some people who will post some things, um, but just like random like quotes. It's like my biggest pet peeve, like, just stop. <laughs> I mean, unless it's, I will, I, sometimes I, I post music because I think I have a connection with music. I think sometimes yeah. music is a way of like expression. I'm like, oh, I have a soft quote in the song. I'm like, that's really cool in a way. And it's like a mood set. But yeah, certain quotes people post. I'm like, do you know what that quote means? Yeah. Do you know who Errol Stop is? <laughs> you're like, wait, did you, you know really know? Yeah. yeah. So. But I'm glad you're back in the city. Do you miss Philly though? Yeah, I was in Philly um, a year and a half. Um, I wanted to try a new city while I have a remote job, see what it's like, spend yeah. some time with some family. I was able to do that my, on my mom's side. Yeah, uh, It's not too far. It was only Amtrak away. 
Um, I said, if I loved it, I'd stay. And I only liked it. I didn't love it. I miss my friends. I missed you. I miss a lot of my, miss my family. And that's debatable. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, and uh, I'm back and I feel, it feels, feels great. It really does. I think you, sometimes you just need a little bit of a break to realize. Would you ever move like to the West Coast? Was that too far? I mean, well, my company's there. I mean, it's definitely something, I, to be honest with you, I, I think I don't like LA that much. I think it's I don't cool. think anyone likes LA. So I, think I think it's, you're not alone. I think it's fun to visit, but it's just a bunch of pockets. Yeah. And you have to drive everywhere. You like San Diego, though. You guys went. Well, LA, I'm talking about LA. I'm, San Diego, I would live in. You would live in San Diego. You know, where, you know, where your Lloyd other, lives. You know your other boyfriend lives there. Yes, Lloyd. <laughs> Shout out Lloyd. Shout um, out Lloyd. And then San Francisco is pretty nice as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think I'd live in between, you know. Not Barnwell, California, in the valley. Yeah, because <laughs> if you live in LA, then you're like, then you have to get like really good at like talking about highways and stuff. And like it gets cocky and they're like, yeah, take the Ford. It's like, it's like, it's just. Or you complain about how much traffic you sit in every day. It's like, traffic, LAX, 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 just shut up. It's so crazy because like I think about, you know, I talked to John about this, but I think a lot of times, and that's what we talk about with films, it's like I, I did a couple of studio tours when I was there, and I just was like, it's just the magic of movie making obviously started there, at least for American cinema, but it's just like, I think LA has just changed so much. Well, you but I think we're getting that. I did. I lived in LA for like a short period of time, but I think a lot of it was that it's just a point of what I say. Like it's like it's like a bubble. So you have the, the levels of Hollywood, and but I think it's changed so much, and it's so hard to have a level of understanding of what's going on because obviously it evolves and changes in right. life. But that's like the only thing I really care about. But like, yeah, I agree with you. LA's not the best, but I grew up in Oakland, so I grew up in the Bay Area. So like, I feel like the Bay Area has been like. Always been a great costume for a great city, San Jose. You know, like my, my family is in Hayward, but like going to San Francisco all the time was like always fun just to be over there. Now, I personally wouldn't live in San Francisco because I grew up there, so it's nothing that I love about it. But it's always good to go home and see people and yeah. hang out. Now, half of my friends who are in San Francisco are in LA, so it's. I, mean, I don't know how that happened, but they ended up transferring there, and I was like, okay. Well, San Fran isn't exactly a. An, I mean, it's artists live there, but they don't make it there. No, you know but, what I mean. Well, no, well the average that income is like two hundred thousand dollars a year. So I don't know. No. The dot com just might fuck that up. But ideally, when we were talking about the TV show I was working on, it's based off like growing up in the Bay Area, and I find it nowadays would be more relatable versus when I grew up there, um, because now it's become such a hot spot to live. But I think it's only because people don't realize this: like parts of San Francisco feel like Brooklyn. I've go back. I mean, besides the actual hills, sure. which are amazing and good for your legs and hiking, that's great. But it just feels like Brooklyn. It feels the same parts of Williamsburg or Bushwick. Yeah. But it's just like the neighborhood vibe of it just feels very like. What's your favorite part of Brooklyn? I mean, favorite part of San Francisco? The Castro duh. No, uh, I like Twin Peaks. Hayden Hayden Ashbury is a great Knob Hills, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the Marina is a nice area too. Pacific Heights is great too, and the Richmond district is really nice because you have the ocean, which is right. beautiful. Right. But I just, I mean, as a kid, I thought about living there and growing up there, but then I was like, eh, I don't know. Now as I got older, I think I'm so connected to New York, but now I'm on this whole thing now of like, do I move to London? I don't know, because that's my next phase of my life. I think, I think that you'll know when you know. 
Well, also, I need to actually visit London. So that's probably important. I mean, I've been to the airport. Your teeth is, are too nice to go to London. <laughs> You're the worst. No, it's just like, I, I've always been to the airport, but not the actual city. And Sean, I guess, is my case about this. She always, she always invites me and I never go. But I think... I need to experience it for myself, but also, you know, we lived in Orlando for a little bit. You, I lived a lot longer than you did. I lived like five months there. But I was like five years. And yeah. so, like four and a half, five years. And so it's like you have this experience of growing up and going there and all these things like contribute to my storytelling to the point of like you experience so much of life in different cultures, the South, the West, yeah. the East, you know, and right. it's like, and all these things combine together, but it's like, I think now for my i would say my writer's journey is like i need to do something different scotland obviously is like a i wouldn't say a second home but i guess it could be because i'm there four or five times out of the year now and that's cool like yeah i mean like not everybody has that situation where like you have somebody that you love in scotland i know wasn't that crazy i was like complaining to you i was like i didn't go to hamptons this year but you were like bitch you went to scotland like three times so i was like yeah i mean oh, that's like, true i didn't think of that yeah. i mean it's oh, it's a gorgeous hamptons though I mean, Hamptons and, and Scotland are very different. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. But you know, well, you know, it's 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 definitely um, New York City is the best. I mean, yes, we're not gonna, we're biased because we live here. Well, also, because I think it's a great city in the world. You also pay. I feel like the rent you pay is like half of it's like a membership fee in <laughs> Manhattan, or you like play in a jungle. If anyone has, I mean, I have a lot of friends who have rent control. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you guys have it so good. Like, you have no idea. Like, how good. Oh you my have god. It. Because it's like, it's literally like the best thing. And it's funny. You find a lot of rent control places, and we have like portal housing now, which is great. But like, you get still sometimes, which is like amazing. You know that. You probably won't be able to get before. Now, I still think New York City is a very expensive city in general. It's number two in the world. Hong Kong number one. It, it's crazy. But I think the experiences you get in the city is just amazing. And I think it's great for storytelling. I was saying this in another podcast. We were talking about how a certain shows appeal. You know, you know, the Seinfeld and all the other shows and Friends. And it's like, it's the city is really a story, too. It's a story. It's, it brings so much to life to what you think about and what you think of New York City and how these characters develop, which I love that about New York. Oh, it's, it's always a story. You, you can make any story out of New York City. Yeah. I mean, remember we were watching the vampire show about, and there was in New York City. Oh, The Strain. Yeah, yeah. yeah finished that. Yeah, yeah. I, my roommate finished it. He loved it. He binged it, didn't he? Yeah. I watched the uh, final with him the other day. Jesus Christ. Um, was, I mean, we, we love shows. Um, so we, we watch a lot of shows together. That's but um, it's... Um, I mean, it's it's a staple. I mean, it's yeah. it's. I mean, your favorite show, Sex and the City, is from. Ah, love Sex and the City. Yeah, and sometimes, but mostly I do. Most shows really are they star in New York. Yeah. It feels like and even movies. I mean, a lot of great movies are in New York, and you don't really think about when it's just like, oh God, that's so cool to see that happen or see like I love the romantic comedies. I think like, like when Harry York. met Sally. Oh, they're just so good. And just yeah. like the city just plays such a backdrop to which is so amazing. But I mean, it's, it's amazing that there's a huge four mile park in this. Yeah. I think it's actually longer than that. It might be f five miles long. What park? Are you talking about Central Park? Yeah, it's the big one in the middle of the city. Yes, it's bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it starts from 59th Street to 110th. Yes. So, uh, what is that, like four, four and a half miles? Something like that. Yeah. 13. Actually, you know what's funny? Um, Golden Gate Park is bigger. Yes, but in Golden Gate Park is just 
more beautiful. I think it's just beautiful. It's just, I mean, it's, mm. it's a little bit different. I mean, California's. I think it's, it, for me, it's, it's both. I think it's both Golden Gate and Central Park for me. Cause I think the, the lore, but also the lore of Central Park is that the city is such a great backdrop. Whereas Golden Gate Park, you don't have as many, like you can't see as many high rises. No. You have great, you know, apartments and homes and this and that. But I think the fact that you have this oasis in the middle of like this metropolitan city. It's everything. It makes it everything. It's, 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 yeah. it's the best part of the city. And it's, yeah. it, it's just like, it, you know, it's, it has like noise canceling capabilities to it. Absolutely. It, yes. It's, it's a great place to run. Well, I mean, I'm sure your runs you know, are amazing. They're amazing. You hear, you know, yeah. you hear a little bit of jazz in the park. Like it's, 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 it's stellar. So I think all in all, I'm, I'm excited to be back and I'm excited to see you more often. I think that will be a range, but we've been doing pretty good. So yeah, we're doing good. Well, thank you for coming on, and I hope that um, you'll definitely come back and talk with us. Yeah, we'll we'll figure sure out. We'll have some new things to talk about. New topic. Um, yeah. You know, we see so yeah, your dating life going. It's, it's getting there. It's going there. I have faith. You're gonna find someone. I I, I actually have faith. You're gonna find someone. I think this is gonna be your year. Okay. I'm I'm sending love positivity out because I think I found my person, and so. I want everyone else to do that. So I'm going to give positive vibes out for you. Well, that's all I need. That's all you need. Well, guys, thanks for listening. And um, please come back for more. And uh, as I always say, stay true, stay live, stay humble. And be comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. I knew you were going to do that. Later, peeps. Thank <laughs> you.